Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Drawn Today podcast, where we encourage you to draw every day. In this episode, we discuss the dark side of conventions and things that you can do to minimize bad experiences. Okay, welcome to the Drawn Today podcast, where we encourage you to draw to draw today, draw tomorrow, draw yesterday, draw every day. This is Jason Cheeseman Meyer. You can find my work at cheeseman-meyer.com. On the podcast with me tonight is Mark Harchar and Grant Cooley. Mark, if you could introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Mark Harchar. You can find my work at markharchar.com. Yet again, it is the voice of Grant Cooley from grantcooley.com. And tonight's topic is the dark side of conventions. As artists, uh, we all tend to go to conventions, uh, some of this compulsively and around the year-long schedule, um, others of us every once in a while, and uh, some people love them, some people dread them, uh, and I think our general consensus is that managing expectations and, and keeping perspective is the, the key to really surviving and doing well at them. Uh, Grant, would you like to, to kick off on your feelings about uh, maybe some of the less than awesome things about the con-going experience uh, that doesn't get talked about too often? I will be glad to, uh, although uh, any topic like this is, is to be balanced with, well, as you said, it's, it's expectations. I started going to conventions when I started my art uh, career alongside a friend about two years ago. Uh, he was doing... Gosh, over a dozen first year and then two dozen the second, doing everything from comic shows to full-fledged uh, sci-fi fantasy conventions to horror conventions. And so I decided to hit the road with him. <clears throat> I had a limited portfolio and a few a few originals and did pretty well my first couple shows. Uh, last year I did, I think, 13, 14 conventions. Uh, this year I have done... Four, so maybe that uh, that explains some of it. So I just want to give you a little background on my convention going experience. It hasn't been for a lengthy period of time, been for two years, but it uh, I saw a pretty wide range in a pretty short period of time, and and so I mean, that's that's my background. So the dark side of conventions this is such a, a broad topic, but I guess going into it, just as you said and I said a second ago, it comes down to expectations. When I hit these shows, I was expecting to go with and, and sell good services, good prints, maybe some originals. I'd, I'd go to a show, set up. You know, my first show was in was a Comic Con in Kansas City, and I, I did actually better then than my, any of my other ones because I hit it with this mentality of I've got to sell, 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 and that really isn't my personality. I I want to be there to hang out, and I want people to look at my work and. And hopefully buy some. And I thought that by having solid work and a friendly demeanor that people would just naturally run up and want some of the stuff I had to sell. This is not the case it shows. So before I guess any serious rant, again, I will I will now really talk about expectations. Going to a convention, you really, really, really need to evaluate what it is you hope to achieve there. If you're going there to sell lots and lots of prints or services if you're doing commissions, portraits, you're selling originals, hanging in an art show, doing panels, no matter what it is, there are a full array of things that you can be a part of at any convention. The better ones, of course, having 
even more services that you can offer and get your name out there. But you need to have very, very, very realistic expectations about what what it is you hope to achieve. If it is a literary con with low attendance, then this is going to be one that's a write-off. You're going to be looking for a tax write-off, and you're going to be looking to push your name out there. Talk to authors. Talk to prospective fans, maybe. Sales are probably going to be low. But it's 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 going to be a show that you generally, if it's low attendance, it's going to be one where you're just looking to pound the, the pavement and get your name out there. They're going to see your name at this show, maybe go to a panel that you're on. Then they're going to see you at another show in three or four weeks or three or four months. They're going to remember you and when you show up next year. They're going to do the same thing. So, uh, but then you could also go to a, a solid industry sci-fi fantasy show, a genre show that's three four thousand. And expect to have some decent sales and do a little bit more pavement pounding, really get your name out there and hang some originals and, and sow those seeds. You can you can hit those shows pretty consistently, but it's gonna still gonna take a couple of years before anybody's really gonna wanna buy anything from you. No matter how much they like the image, they still wanna know that you're for real. Even for a, a small investment like a ten dollar print. Then of course you can go to big Comic Cons, Dragon Con, things like that where you are going to, generally, you're going to have really good sales because you're going to have thousands and thousands of people looking at your work. And then, of course, you have to have moderate expectations. Some people are going to sell thousands and thousands of dollars. You might sell several hundred, depending upon, again, what your expenses are. This might be worth it, what you want to do. You might be there just for the experience as a fan to, to be able to pay for your trip and, and, and enjoy the show. So with those ideas... Either really just a, a write-off for the weekend, a a moderate sales boost, or a serious sales venture, and and of course realms in between. You need to know why you're going to a show. I'd, I'd like to actually, now I'll tell okay. you. I'd like ahead. to actually follow up something with that um, on on that topic because I think you're hitting on something really important, uh, and that Mark, is the, Mark. Yes. Before you do, why don't you kick off with a, a little intro of what your uh, con-going experience. Summarize it for us. Okay. Um, well, I have done a few different types of cons, some in the uh, the vein of actually selling and some more in a reconnaissance mode um, because, as Grant had mentioned, there are different types of cons everywhere. Um, there are comic book type conventions where your major uh, Attendees are, are fans of the comic book genre that may have a subsection of fantasy art or other type of, of portions. Then there's the, the, the purely fantasy cons, uh, fantasy sci-fi cons. Uh, and Grant had mentioned places like Dragon Con, which I would actually have to uh, qualify as, as a cosplay con that has uh, an art show and an exhibitor show. So th- there are a large number of, of cons and you have to be aware when you're going as an artist and, and a seller and an exhibitor what the purpose of that con is and what the, the individuals that are going there to attend are there to do. Um, so that being said, the, the one, one of the dark sides about a, a con goer from the standpoint of someone who's going to sell to try to make money is, you know, everyone's, everyone wants to go and has the expectations they're going to they're going to sell out everything that they have or the hopes at least they're going to make gobs of money and they're going to pay all of the expenses that they that they are going to incur for their uh, for their attendance of this con and they're going to and they're going to walk away 
happy and go lucky and the world is wonderful. But those expectations aren't always met. And if you are looking at the possibility of spending hundreds or thousands of dollars, in some cases, there are people who might you know, have to take plane flights, have to ship you know, hundreds of dollars worth of, of materials to some place in order to get it there. You have to be aware that you can go in and not sell a dime and have to eat the costs of whatever you're going to do. Um, that's just the business, and that's just something that could occur. And I know younger artists may not realize that, or people who not necessarily are, are younger artists, but are in, inexperienced in going to cons and exhibiting. Um, you know, there, there's always that possibility that you're going to lay out hundreds or thousands of dollars and not get any return, potentially, financially, immediately. You know, there's other things that you can get back, you know, exposure, advertisement, um, that type of thing. But that, that was the first thing that jumped out at me when, when I was listening to, to Grant um, talk about the, the different types of cons. Okay. Uh, for, for me, I've, uh, I've, most of the cons I've attended have been comic book cons um, and uh, some, a couple fantasy shows. I've attended a lot of conventions and I've exhibited at a small I've had a table at a, a small handful, um, and there's a, a lot of different reasons to go to a convention. Um, but before I get into that, and uh, almost every time before I leave for a con, I have this this moment of anxiety and regret that I will be throwing away money that I will never get back. Um, because actually, on the whole, the the cons where I either sell enough stuff or land enough work to cover uh, the cost of travel and food and hotel and framing pieces and display stuff, et cetera, et cetera, uh, is rare. Um, that's not the norm. It's, it's more often I end up losing money on, on a con, but it's still worth it to me for the ones that I do get a, a very good job out of. Um, and you kind of can't know beforehand which one it's going to be. I mean, you, you do your best to ask around um, about what cons seem to be a good fit for you. But I, I think especially if your main reason to go is to try to land uh, some work, try to meet some art directors or some editors uh, that can hand you the kind of jobs that you want, then uh, whether this is a, quote, good con or bad con is a super individual to, to you and your experience and whether you happen to run into somebody who happens to have the right kind of work for you that day uh, or not and a lot of times they don't and that can be that can be a, a pretty dis I think for almost everyone it's at least momentarily quite disappointing it kind of sets you off your stride when you were expecting someone to uh, really be excited by the work you're showing showing them and they're either absolutely unimpressed or they say something along the lines of well the problem with meeting good artists is you know, most of the time you don't have any work to hand them and has is this something that you have seen or talked to other artists it happened a lot to them as well or do you think that this is not the norm and I'm just trying to set expectations for you know some people right no I, I I think almost everyone I've, I've I know and I've talked with and hung out with about uh, about how portfolio reviews and that sort of thing have gone almost everybody has had at least at least one disappointment and sometimes in the you know in the same con you might run into uh, you know, two or three different people, and uh, two of them 
really hate your work and one of them really loves it. It's it's very, very hard to predict. And you've got to, in, in my opinion, you've got to be able to take it in stride that my work isn't useful for this guy right now. And on the other hand, um, but and secondary to that or alongside that is, um, you know, things we've talked about before about uh, dealing with criticism and feedback and how to make the best of that and um, how to grow from it and how to be professional while you're receiving it and all that sort of stuff. Go ahead, Grant. I know you got something to say. Oh, I got. Please do. Really, uh, this topic is is, is something that uh, we we're proposing it today is is something that is been very pivotal and fundamental to my development as a, a fledging illustrator and as an artist because it's I, I really was kind of doing it on my own. Uh, I, I was with a friend, like I said, who, who was doing shows, but he had had such success. He was such a salesman. He 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 put on this pitch where I just. People just walk away with his artwork. Uh, it just—it didn't matter. And his stuff, honestly, uh, early on was was I, I was I was surprised because I expected my my more developed painterly talents to to carry me through, and they didn't. So I uh, went in with with a high level of expectation and yet no idea of what to expect. And what you said a second ago about knowing what kind of cons to go to—that is that is one of the key points that I, I want to make sure we get across with this podcast. Is that it's it's almost impossible to do that because the directors for a show will pad their numbers. Not everybody, but in my experience, a lot of the directors will pad their numbers in order to entice you to say, "We we've got thousands of people that show up. This is a huge show. This is really big. We've got these guests," and you go and you end up with three to six hundred through the door, or you get a lot a lot of hype talk about oh, this is what people have done in the past. This is what you can expect to do. Anybody who tells you that. You really need to take a step back right there and say, "Okay, I'm I, this. This is my first impression. This person is really trying to sell me hard on their con, and and it's probably not going to work out." Uh, I took a lot of shows based on faith or from friends or acquaintances that were like, "Oh, this is so big. Oh, we do such a big thing," and they were the art director, and they were some of the most miserable experiences. You you do need to do your research and find out what the show is actually about, not necessarily numbers or sales or anything like that. that What's more important uh, than those things is what kind of show it is. Again, is it a literary con? Is it a relaxicon? Is it a cosplay con? Is it just a chance for people to show off everything but their wallet? Are they there to spend money? Are they there to hire people? Are they there to look at art? Because without that foreknowledge, you are just you're just rolling the dice. And unfortunately, there aren't many resources. Because of that, and because of several negative experiences in a row. I started reviewing every show I went to. I tried to make it pretty objective because I didn't want to burn any bridges, and I, there are many shows I would like to go back to. But on my my original blog page, which is still up, uh, I would I would review the show afterwards and say this is these are the base facts. This is how much it costs to be at the show. This is the show kind of space. This is how I was treated as an artist. Then break it down by what was going on at the show, what kind of show I interpreted it to be. What kind of sales I had? How again? How I was treated by the the staff there? Not only the art staff, if there was an art show, the dealers' room, or anything like that. And then at the end, break it down again by facts, pros, cons, and whether or not I would go back, or the conditions under which I would go back. Because I, I until until I started doing it, I hadn't found that anywhere. So I started and, doing that. And and, uh, and the URL for this grant for those of us who want to go check it out is. 
after tonight, I'll I'll put it up on my main page, GrantCooley.com, under convention reviews, even the old ones. But okay. you can find them before on uh, GrantCooley.blogspot.com. They're all uh, they're all listed throughout the months, and normally the header is, say, LibertyCon 2010, and it'll be there. And I again, I tried to be pretty fair with some of them, and I got, I got really good feedback from many of the convention art directors, and uh, organizers because it gave them some growing points and instead of lambasting them for their failures uh, highlighted growing points as well as positives because every show no matter how schnookered I felt there was always there was always something positive to say and in this industry I mean you have to do that even if just for your own peace of mind you were able to bring something positive from it and most conventions for me have been really positive disappointing and frustrating but still a positive experience so anyway, I started reviewing those those cons, and I've got a lot of good feedback from it, uh, even from established artists, uh, Lars Grant West, uh, Eric Braddock. They, uh, we, we did a podcast about that last year, just after LuxCon, I think, and uh, just because nobody does that, and a lot of people don't want to step on toes, <clears throat> and I even have that specific friend of mine that I started doing shows with. He refused to give other people that knowledge because he, he wanted them to go through it. He figured he was a self-made person, and he would... It was up to everybody else to to encounter the success and failures that he had. I don't share that point of view. I I realize that I'm walking a very bumpy path, especially you know being a single dad, going to conventions is a real a real time and money investment. And so anybody that's in my position or in a, a more posi- a, a more free situation, I want uh, I want them to to benefit from what I've been through. And again, the experiences might not be the same as mine, but at least they've got a little foreknowledge what somebody went through rather than having to, to make phone calls or ask because, honestly, none of us are going to do that. Uh, I'd actually like to comment on your research point um, because I have uh, an example of just that and how it can help you to not experience the dark side. And in some cases, even when you do research, you can experience the dark side. And it's, and it's in relation to... Uh, portfolio review because I had planned to go to a, a large Northeastern comic book convention in which I wasn't going to sell, I wasn't going to be an exhibitor, but I had uh, put together a portfolio that I wanted specifically to put in front of a, a certain uh, company that had been to these conventions and was planned to be at uh, this convention this specific year. And I had put all this work in and, and tailored my portfolio so I can put it in front of this company. And even though they had been stated that they were going to be attending, um, I knew someone who had worked for this company before, and I had uh, mentioned to them that I was going to go and if they had any pointers. And they had, since, since they had some inside knowledge of the company, they had given me a, a name or an email uh, to contact. And in contacting that the company, which and this may have been two weeks before the convention, which I was ready to you know plan to make the trip to, uh, I found out that they had pulled out and they weren't going to be there. So if I didn't have some of that research beforehand, I could have conceivably showed up, you know, spent the time, money, effort, and everything else to to get to this convention just to find out that the one reason that I was going to go there for, uh, you know, it would have been null and void. So. To your point, research you know helped me there, but and in, in another instance, I have a friend who I believe it may have been this very same convention uh, did the same thing. They were going there to uh, for portfolio review, 
and did all the work, put the portfolio together, went to the convention, showed up, um, and the, in the, the specific company he was he had the expectation that he would be able to go sit down with art director, you know, review his portfolio like he's done at the different conventions, and you know, probably most of us have done. Uh, and he got there, and the company had told him, "You're not." sitting down and doing portfolio reviews, drop off your portfolio and, and we'll let you know. Unless you're prepared to drop off a portfolio, the portfolio that you're carrying around is not one you're going to leave and, and just you know throw away. So he was not prepared for them to be asking them to just leave it here and we'll let you know. So he put all that work in. He traveled. He, you know, he bought the ticket. He, he got there in front of it, yet he had no there was no recourse for him to actually be able to get the review that he was looking for because he didn't have what they were looking for because they didn't, uh, they didn't let any of the artists know beforehand that that's what they were looking for. Uh, so that's, that was just a bad time, bad time for him. Um, and he ended up, you know, eating all of that and, and not getting out what he was expecting to. So. And, and I think that's a, that's a good point. I mean, on these conventions, you're, you're miles from home, uh, almost always. Uh, it's an investment of time and money and all this sort of stuff. And it's just really hard to predict what's going to happen. And the, the better you can try to be prepared for unexpected contingencies, uh, the better off you'll be. I mean, there are curveballs that you just can't take in stride. But I've, I've looked at a few times. And I've, like, I've brought some stuff with me that I was like, this is stupid. There's no point in me bringing this. Uh, and it's, it's turned out to have been... A, uh, a, a very good thing that I've lucked out on. Um, to uh, to t- speak a little more to the idea of, of research and that sort of stuff, uh, a lot of people feel like um, you've got to kind of attend a con for a couple, three years uh, before you really get friendly with the con and learn how to play that particular con, what its strengths and weaknesses are. And also, I think if you have a booth there, and you're selling prints, originals, books, whatever, um, there is certainly a factor where the, the people who, the attendees of the con, kind of get to know you and get to see you around and, and warm up to you, like you had mentioned, Mark. They know, they know you're for real now. They are looking forward to seeing you again next year, seeing what new stuff you've brought. Um, so sometimes, uh, you know, this, this one particular con, um, you know, that's not so great for you this year, might be a little better next year. Might be even better than that the year after that. Um, my my take on it, as I said, is to kind of pay attention to my expectations and and try to play the numbers overall. That you know maybe this con won't pan out for me, uh, put me all the way in the profit, but the the next one will make up for it. Grant? Yeah. Um, well, I. I think that's that's a that's a good approach. It's a healthy approach if you are planning on do, if you're you're just dead set on doing conventions. Uh, I I don't I'm I'm not sure exactly how I feel about that because I I have had a hard time with that at some shows, especially hearing from the art directors. They'll be like, oh well, they just got to get to know you. You know, it takes a couple years. Mm-hmm. One of my best friends and and art compadres, uh, Michael Kabalachik from Aerodoni Studios. He has been doing shows for about 10 years, uh, conventions, renaissance festivals, everything else. They sell art, but primarily they, they do a lot of prosthetics and costuming, things like that for, for the scene. And, and they've built a successful business. But even after all that time, their art sales, they're, they're up and down. They're all over the place. 
and they're they're just now after doing some shows for six seven years they're just now people coming up saying i've always wanted to get something from you this is the year i'm going to make it happen and and that's really cool it's it's really satisfying to have that moment but the words i hear from him a lot of the time is that you you can't you can't plan or expect these things a lot of congoers a lot of fans they have limited budgets or they have very focused needs or what they really like and they may love your work but they they may have nothing more than a kind word to give you which does help a lot it i mean especially in the middle of a show it's having someone just come up and and offer you a concise uh, just concise positive uh feedback is wonderful but when you when you weigh all the the time money and effort you spent to go to that event it it really pales in the long run uh, worth it yeah but still you you really have to, to to balance everything out so the idea that you have to you have to pay your dues at some events is is a very fine line that you've got to be careful to walk because ultimately what is the point and again everything i think the dark side as we you know we're going to label this <clears throat> it, it does come down to expectations you I would say to anybody, and I have other things to say on the topic, but I would say to anybody that wants to do an event, you really need to know why you want to do that event, uh, event, not just from sales or anything like that, but are you going there to get validation? Are you going there to make money? Are you going there just to show your new work and see friends? Why are you going to the show? Because honestly, most shows that you will attend do not balance out from sales and effort. Not just the time you spend at the show, you're spending, most shows are a three-day show, the time you spend at the show when you could be working on other things or spending time with friends and family, the, the amount of money that it takes to attend a show from entry fees to hotel rooms and food costs, and even more, the, the time you spend in advance preparing for the show, the, the stress that it goes along with almost every single show of did, oh, do I have enough prints? Is my setup correct? What kind of setup you have for these events? I, I have a pretty elaborate booth now because I, wanna, I want to have this, this solid presence. So I go to a show and they're like, that person is for real. They don't just have a table, the, the supplied tablecloth and a few things scattered on it. But that, that, that stresses me out, making sure I've got all of it. Did I remember all of it? What did I forget? Do I have enough of everything? Are my, as you said earlier, framing? All of these things that go into it are are tolls that have to be paid for every single show. So you may say, oh, great, I sold $500 at this event. Cool. How much did it cost to attend? Oh, that cost a couple hundred dollars. And then I spent 48 hours prepping for it. And then I think, well, for the time I put in this show, I could have finished a new original painting and probably five studies. But I went to the show for this purpose or that purpose. So again, that idea of expectation is always there. And you have to you have to deal with it with with a your best most honest face because what you're going to end up doing and again this this is my personal experience that that happened at too many shows and really caused a massive shift for me was I would get so excited about the event every show was a fresh slate I I would be bringing my best work my newest work higher quality prints a variety of services I was set I couldn't I couldn't wait you get in you pull into the the loading dock or however you're doing it, you're bringing your pallets out, you're chatting, you're excited, you're tingling with energy. You spend, it used to take me two hours to set up my booth because I'd have this big grid wall set up. You get everything set up, you're ready to go. Fans start going through the door and slowly the energy ebbs. You get a few customers and then maybe you'll get fits and spurts of them, but your energy starts to ebb when you're sitting there and nothing's happening. A day goes by, 
and who knows what kind of sales you have, but you're just, it's never enough. It, it almost never was enough for me where I would just feel like I spent too much time sitting there that I, I don't want to do this. Okay, tomorrow's another day. Tomorrow's another day, but I start with a little less energy. Oh, now I'm dragging. Then I hit Sunday and I just want to go home and, and see my kids. I just want to go, go back home. That's all I can think about is home, home, home. And oh gosh, I can't believe this show. You spend a couple days calming down, recouping. A lot of it fades. And you're like, okay, now I need to write a review of this show. It's objective. What did I really do with this show? I balanced the books, checked everything in. And, and, and I'm just, I'm at a lower point than when I left to go for the event. All that excitement was met with with disappointment. And again, I, I say that with the full knowledge that it was my expectations, my excitement for the event that that brought along this not euphoric, but this elevated state of super awesomeness. That it was gonna be it was gonna be the best new show, especially when it's a new show and I haven't been there before. But even then you, you the second time you go to share like, oh I know how this one works. I know where to set up. I know the ins and outs. Broom, same story. So that's that's not everybody's experience, but Honestly, most people that I've encountered that had the same mindset as me, that was their experience. And you need to be prepared for that. You need to go in either adjusting your mindset for the fans that are going to be there or be able to roll with it. I'm not very versatile when it comes to salesmanship and, and running a booth. My answer to that ended up being going to shows and always bringing an easel because I, I wanted to be working on something. If things were dead, at least I was going to be working and people could see me working. Uh, so... That's the dark side. The, that's one big dark side for me, and a pivotal one was having unrealistic expectations for the entire setup. Going in there, ready to do my best, and finding that I wasn't able to do anything, and just lamenting my my choices and and coming to this event and everything down the line. The positive of that then being that you either start customizing your setup for the event that you're going to be at. You are going to offer different services that you may not have before. You may bag the event thinking, you know, knowing that this is not where I should be. This, this knowledge cost me some money, but I know now this is not where I should be in circumstances. You, it forces you to be more flexible and versatile with your art and always prepared to adjust whether it be bringing additional projects to work on, cutting out early to, to go back to the hotel and work when you thought you'd have a, a fun night out. I, I don't know. Whatever it is, it forces you to be very realistic about these situations, about your artwork, and about your potential to actualize those expectations. So to say that that dark side, it does have a positive side because it, it is going to make you – is really going to force you to grow as an artist, as an illustrator, and as a salesman. Unfortunately, it's going to be in a lot of ways that you weren't prepared for, maybe uh, unless you've heard this podcast. Jason, yeah, I I wonder, it, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, all I was going to say is I think if you've not really been to cons before, especially if you haven't had a table, it's, it's worth keeping in mind that it, if a con's going great for you or if it's going really disappointing for you, it's just exhausting both ways. Um, these things suck a lot of energy. You can get pretty worn out. Um, and I've seen a few people really, really crash and burn because of it, like that, just that little bit of sleep deprivation, a little bit of being on edge for too long, uh, killed their, you know, ability to, to handle stress. And, uh, I think it's a good thing to keep in mind. Mark, what were you going to say? Yeah, I was actually going to ask you if you, uh, wouldn't mind if we, uh, talked about more of a psychological aspect of the cons, because, you know, we've already... We've talked a little bit about the, you know, the financial side and the business side. Um, 
what we just touched on there, that the psychological side that can have positive and negative effects on, on the, the con-goers is another aspect that I think needs to be touched upon. And uh, one of the things that comes to mind is, is in my own experience, uh, there was a con that I was at last year in which there was, you know, I had a table set up and there was a, 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 there was a, a time to, to work the booth uh, on, a, on a Friday and then there was an additional time the next day. And during the first day, there wasn't a whole lot of sales going on. Um, you know, there was some interest and some things like Grant was saying, you know, to kind of keep you a little elevated and excited. But by, by the end of the, end of the day, the nighttime, you know, it was a little bit of a downer. And, uh, you know, you're there with a bunch of your friends and you want to kind of just relax from that point, kick back and try to make the best of it by, you know, spending time with friends and relaxing. And, I, and in my case, I did a little too much relaxing. Uh, I, I had a few too many drinks uh, over too long of a period of time and didn't get hardly any sleep and then had to show up the next morning to run the booth again. Well, you know, when you're hungover, as I was in, in my case, and you're not really thinking straight, you're, you don't look good anymore, even if, you, you know, whether you looked good the day before or not, but you definitely look worse, you know, from, you know, just from that experience experience, the lack of sleep, that type of thing, you know, I'm, I'm sure that type, I'm sure that impacted any potential sales the next day because, you know, I wasn't on the top of my game. I, I, I wasn't be as outgoing as I may have been the day before trying to, you know, talk to people and potential, uh, you know, potential buyers. And, um, and it was, it was just a combination of, of social occurrences that impacted the business side as well. Whereas, you know, I hadn't really thought in those along those lines the day before. It was, it was more just, oh, you know, this, it was stressful. This was a hard day. I just want to relax. And yet it affects, affected the next day and potentially affected the next day. Yeah, that, that overindulging thing uh, happens to, to many a con-goer, myself included. Um, <laughs> it's something to, something to watch out for. I had a, a Con I went to not all that long ago. I think we ran into about five people the morning after going, okay, so uh, I need to never drink that much again, ever. <laughs> oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and even if you're not a drinker, you know, a lot of times you will tend to stay awake because you're going to be with people that you may not have seen for a year or, you know, you want to, to uh, spend time with friends because – you know, you, you enjoy their company and you're, you find yourself, you know, up till four or five o'clock in the morning. Uh, and just the lack of sleep will. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When I used to do the, uh, the San Diego Comic-Con a lot and, you know, everybody would tell stories about uh, how all the real business is done at the bars afterwards. And so, you know, you're trying to cement some connections with some editors and that sort of stuff. So, you, know, you feel like you're just a failure if you go home and go to bed. Uh <laughs> before the editors do, and, uh, and but they're not they're not up and mobile at the time that you have to be in the morning. So that it kept yourself some slack. Uh, one thing we uh, we kind of haven't hit on that I, I sort of want to make sure we do is uh, one of the big reasons for going to cons um, has has nothing to do with with landing work or making sales. Um, it's uh, Making connections and getting inspired, 
And I, I know when I was first starting out, you know, the the editors and the old hats that do their, their presentations and talk about how the, you know, the relationships that you make with the, with the other new artists around you are are really key, even more so than the relationships you make with with the editors and that sort of stuff. And I, I never quite took that to heart as much as I should have. And uh, in my in my my later years of experience here, uh, I really I really really value the uh, the camaraderie and the time spent looking at other people's art, having other people look at mine. Um, whether I'm getting Maybe I get some fantastic feedback from these other artists. Uh, maybe I don't, but even so, I, I get energized from it. And, and when I get back home, I'm I'm creating more ambitious pieces than I was when I left. Um, sort of uh, on the expectations front, the best con I ever went to in terms of enjoying myself and feeling good and feeling a success is um, a, a convention where I lost I, I lost a lot of money. I didn't make back my travel expenses, my framing, my nothing. Okay, we had some technical difficulties there, and uh, we're filing, firing back on. Grant is no longer with us, but he, uh, I think, got to say his piece. We've got Mike Sass with us. Uh, Mike, you want to give us your... Uh, website and stuff? Hi, uh, my name is Mike Sass. You can see my work at www.sassart.com and sassart.blogspot.com So, yeah, um, we don't have Grant here right now. We had a little bit of technical difficulties. Yeah, we're just finishing this podcast off. So, you were telling us an interesting story, Jason. Why don't you get back to that? Yeah, sure. Uh, We've been talking about uh, sometimes you go to cons to, to make sales. Sometimes you go to cons to, to make connections and try to land a gig. Um, but there's there's other reasons to go to a convention. Uh, I went to one uh, last year that uh, I I sold a painting at and I won an award at, uh, but I didn't come anywhere close to making back my hotel expenses or my framing expenses or uh, travel or any of that. And I was totally cool with that because I had made that my plan going in. I knew this was going to be a money loser. I was doing it for the fun, to hang out with some friends that I hadn't seen for a while, uh, just to kind of, you know, go be a fan and, and watch, uh, see some creators that I really got a kick out of. And uh, and I was just, you know, well, since I'm going, I'll, I'll enter the art show and stuff. But uh, I didn't get a table. I didn't do anything. I just had a, a great time. And when I came home, I was charged up and and inspired and excited about doing art and so the con was uh financially not a success it was uh in term of contacts i didn't meet anybody uh who would ever be in a position to hand me a job uh not a success that way but in terms of improving the art i do uh it was great and there are lots of events uh that are that are like that some that are are you know that's kind of their their reason of existence uh is the the panels and the the things that you can learn as an artist uh from other artists or just as an artist from you know not in any formal educational sense but just from hanging out with people and and getting a a bit of personal contact and humanity into the 
uh, isolated life of being a, a freelance illustrator. Yeah, like yeah. I haven't been to too many conventions myself, but the way I look at conventions is is exactly that. I look at them as basically that's uh, just getting out time. It's it's time to get out of the studio, time to not be sitting in front of the computer or at my desk. It, it's a break. It's it's time to sort of meet and talk to people and get to show my work and and get some some feedback and hopefully some praise. It's it's a bit of uh you know, it's something that's definitely needed, not just for the social aspect or, you know, for the also the physical aspect. You know, you get to stand for two, three days rather than <laughs> sitting all the time. Um, you know, it's great to get that feedback to energize you to go back and do more. If if we just did our work and, and nobody ever saw it, it would be it would be quite the grind. I think I'll just touch on a little bit. I think we had sort of summarized that. The, the dark side of cons comes from having unrealistic expectations or having your expectations not met. So managing those expectations is the biggest part to having an enjoyable con experience. Um, so to summarize some of the things um, in managing expectations, I think, first of all, you want to keep your costs down, right? So Grant had touched on a really good point of prep time. So that's sort of cost that is not on the official ledger per se, cost that's not dollars and cents costs, but maybe you spend days, um, you know, bagging prints and, you know, getting stuff made, the days of travel, the days of research, the days of, um, you know, getting a banner made, getting your business cards made. These are things that definitely have to be looked into because um, it's it's time away from production. It's time away from vacation, you know, which has a value. So keeping those costs down are a big are a big thing. And some of the ways you can do that are by you know keeping your framing costs down. Recently, I've done research into you know I've I've been trying to find the best places to get pre-made frames. Um, just trying to stockpile things, trying to always keep my eyes open when I'm at garage sales or when I'm at stores that have have frames or have things that are going to help my convention um, experience. So not doing things last minute, but always sort of having it in the back of your mind to, to keep your eye out for ways to keep your costs down. Can you guys uh, speak to anything like that uh, about keeping your costs down? Oh, definitely. And there's there's the stuff about uh, getting a roommate at the convention because hotels are such an expense and carpooling. Uh, the the other thing that I've done a couple times, which is great when you can swing it, is uh, framing is such a, an expense. Uh, and if you're not working in general at one of those prefab frame sizes, uh, let's say instead of doing uh, 18 by 24, you do a lot of uh, 18 by 27s because that's paperback format um and getting custom frames made like for that is a is a ex- serious expense but if you hang off and get you know five of them made at once and if you've got a buddy who's also doing things at that format and he gets five at the same time all of a sudden you've got a serious quantity discount that uh makes it really worth the the frame shops while to give you a a, a hand in terms of cost and that sort of thing mm-hmm. How about you, Mark? Do you have any ideas for, for cost saving? Well, on, on the framing topic, I know that 
the there are certain format sizes that people work in for different commercial purposes, but uh, I know that I've done this and, and I've heard some other people discuss about doing this in which you can create an original piece that is a standard uh, size basically with a, with a bleed around the edge which would bring that out to a standard size yet for the commercial purposes it, it's, it can be cropped down without losing any content uh, so that you can frame the original yet still have the proper format for the commercial piece. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. I've been doing that I myself. do that, too. Yeah. Other thing is if you can schedule vacation times and different things along with your convention visits. Mm. Uh, for example, um, there's a convention up in Pennsylvania where my family lives, which I was able to uh, spend a few days with my family as well as go to the convention in, in one shot, one plane trip. Didn't have to do that twice in the year. You know, it's... There's there's all kinds of little ways that you can try to try to plan to to save you know pennies here and there. Mm, that's a um, great point. And also you can be at that at that plan then tax deducting your gas cost for your vacation. So you'll be you know spending gas money to travel to the con, which is a business expense. And at the same time, if if your wife comes along with you and you stay around in that area for a couple of days, you know, you're getting free gas for your vacation. So I think that's, that's a great point, Mark. And I'm, I'm doing that myself as well. Other things I had written down here were <clears throat> ways to manage expectations. Other ways um, is just that research that we were talking about. You guys were talking about. Um, so researching what the convention's about and uh, off air here, Jason, you had made a great point recently just about is there other things you can get out of the convention? So looking, if you go there, regardless of the retail opportunities at that convention, regardless of the scope of it, um, have you done research and are you going to get other things out of it? Is is it going to be fun for you? Is there going to be content there that you're interested in? Maybe some discussions, some panels are there going to be artists there that you just wanted to meet and maybe you can form friendships with? Is it going to be a convention that has some some meeting and education opportunities? So maybe you don't make your money back. Maybe it's not worth it from a financial standpoint, but maybe you have a great time. Maybe you learn some things. Maybe you go to that convention and, you know, standing around for two days was totally totally great because you know next to you in the artist alley was was somebody that you had met online or somebody that you have struck up a new friendship with so um the research is important in terms of making sure that the convention you're looking to go to is is multifaceted that it it has these other aspects that will be beneficial to you um can you guys think of other reasons that you might go to a convention other than the retail aspect like i guess I'm not where you guys are. I'm in Canada, and we don't have sort of the the large slate of conventions you guys have. We don't have so many little regional conventions. Um, so I think the conventions we have here, I guess we just have less choice, and they're probably a little more broad-based. But uh, when you guys are looking at conventions, what are sort of some of the criteria that, that helps you decide? I guess driving distance would be a big deal. Driving distance is a huge one. Um, if a con is close to me, it, it 
doesn't need a whole lot else to sell it uh, before it starts getting some some serious consideration. One thing on that is that you can't, as you said, Mike, that there are probably more conventions down in the U.S. than even the people who go to conventions know about. Uh, there are ones all over the place, and one of the good things that you can do is simply network with other artists, especially if you're in a regional area and you're looking you know, at that, at that convention scene. Um, I've met a few friends down here once I moved to Florida who took part in some conventions that I'd never even heard of. You know, I didn't know anything about them, didn't know where they were, uh, yet talking you know, to some of these people... You know, they've either been there, they live near there, they they know somebody who's been there, so have some anecdotal information. Uh, so just talking to other artists about conventions that they may have done uh, locally, it may even be worth uh, you know an extra travel time or drive time. You know, if it's you know if Jason's up there in Boston, yet there's a convention in you know Connecticut somewhere. Yeah, that's a five-hour drive, but you know based on some of the feedback might be worth it mm-hmm. even if even if it's not something you've heard of you've been to or or what have you so trying to get that information from fellow artists is definitely worth, worth the effort definitely mm-hmm. also i think maybe a little bit of research into simple things like how much do hotels cost in in this place or are they likely to be all full and whatnot like i was just booking a hotel a couple of days ago for a convention and and literally all the downtown hotels that had room blocks of rooms reserved for this convention at special rates are all sold out already, even though we're months away from the convention. So, and the the price difference between those special rate rooms and the normal rate rooms were like three times. So, I think you know, booking things early, doing that research on every every little aspect of that travel is is important and. and could mean hundreds and hundreds of dollars of difference. Other things I think that you can research are sort of the the competition at the convention. Like I recently went to one in the fall here um, and okay, I brought my stuff in, I set up, I had my big banner, I had a floor standing banner, I had about three tables worth of stuff. It was, I had quite a big presence and as I walked in and was setting up, there was some some guys across from me, and I could sort of hear their comments as I was setting up of something to the effect of, you know, I, I hate it when, you know, real, you know, professional guys come and, and go right next to me. Like, these guys had a small booth with very, you know, uh, homemade type stuff and, you know, very sort of amateurish product, and they really weren't prepared to sort of look good next to you know, more established people. And I think a little bit of research in terms of who's going to be around you, what the other artists are going to have for their setups, what the sort of level of professionalism is, because if you go there and you pale in comparison to the artists around you, then, you know, the other guys are just going to get all the sales. However, on the opposite track of that, if you go there and, and you look like a real pro, the people around you, you know, don't have as, as slick of a setup or as professional quality product to sell, um, then you're going you're gonna to clean up. So it's, it's about the choices that the buyer has when they're at the convention. They can, they can buy from table A or table B. So, you know, 
regardless of, of the convention's attendance, people are going to be putting money down and, and they're going to have a choice of, of similar products. So you want to make sure that your products stand out and, and show their best next to the other artists in competition with you. What do you guys have to say about that? I, I definitely agree. Um, but there's, there's always a bit of a, of a crapshoot in terms of your table. Um, and sometimes getting set up next to somebody who's who's famous and rocking and has a, a huge draw is an asset. It increases your foot traffic. Uh, lots of times it isn't. It completely blocks your foot traffic. Nobody can get to you because of the huge lines waiting to get to you know whatever pro wrestler or <laughs> <laughs> happens happens to be sitting at the booth next to you. Um, but you know, so much of that is is beyond your control, and you I, you run into horror stories of people whose whose cons were pretty effectively ruined by the the slot they drew, and and that's a shame. Mm, I guess you're right. If if you can control it, if you can control your positioning, that might be to your benefit. But I'm just saying from a basic quality standpoint, you know, like if if you show up and your quality and your presentation is really below par, um, certainly, you know, why bother? Well, I mean, that comes into the whole marketing presentation, you know, side of the business and in some cases really doesn't have anything to do with the art itself. You know, your your art level and quality is going to be what it is at, at any given point in your career, you know, or, you know, or in your process timeline. But, you know, the things that you can do to overcome some of those deficiencies is to make up for it in presentation. And if you have deficiencies in art and deficiencies in presentation, well, you just have a whole lot of deficiencies going on. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm talking about this in the sort of context of managing expectations, which is, you know, if, if, if you expect that, you know, you'll go and put your stuff down and make sales without, you know, really understanding the, the playing field and, and your competition and what your sort of position is in the hierarchy of, of that convention and the other attendees. Um, that's something you should probably know beforehand so that you can manage those expectations. Agreed. Very much so. And that being said, you should always put your best foot forward, you know, regardless. So, you know, there, there is, there is managing expectations externally and then there's, you know, internally, you know, if you can't afford $1,000 panels and you can only afford $300 panels or whatever, you know, well, that's, it, it is what it is. Um, you know, so you, you have to also understand you have to do the best with what you can do. But to your point, you know, if you, if you know that your presentation is only as good as you can make it and you're not happy with it because, you know, who of us are? I mean, every I, every one of us has been to a convention where we look at someone's setup and go, "I want that," <laughs> <laughs> and and we know what it takes for them to get there. You know, however, you know, whatever part of people's career in, or or whether it was just an investment up front. But you know, everyone everyone always is going to feel like they can do better. Um, but if you know that you're still trying to get to that better point, to your point, Mike. Don't expect that you're always going to be on the top of the heap just because you go to a convention where there's 100 people and, you know, like you were saying, the guys next to you, you know, have a, uh, a plastic tablecloth from their grandmother's basement. But I think part of, part of Mike's point is the, uh, you know, the, a couple things in a plastic tablecloth at Nowhere in Particular Con uh, is, you know, going to fit in just fine and people are going to 
what people are there might stop and, and check you out and all that's great and wonderful. But if you're bringing that same uh, thrown together presentation to uh, a, a really established con, you look like the guy who doesn't care and who doesn't know what he's doing. And that's never a good place to be. Right. I guess my point was, you know, always, you know, whether it's small con or big con, always put forth your, your best presentation because, well, yeah. you know, even if you're at a hundred person con and there's only 12 other tables, you know, if everyone else is at a picnic table and you have a, you know, a brilliant light show, well, regardless of any, you know, all other factors, you are going to get a spotlight. And, True. and whether, and whether I, that I'm... turns into sales is another question, but. But what, I, what I'm trying to say, though, is there are cons where if you don't have the great presentation, you should go anyway. And there are cons where if you don't have the great presentation, you should stay home and save your money. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying even to that point whether you should go or not. I'm just saying you should dial down your expectations if, if you know you know the playing field is a certain way. Um, another sure. point I just thought of, too, is, is sort of the, the flexibility can be very helpful in a convention. So, um, you might have certain expectations. Like for instance, I just went to a convention and I brought, you know, a whole bunch of prints of one franchise and very few of another franchise. And the complete opposite thing came about where everybody was buying, buying the prints that I had lesser volume of. So the next day I made sure to bring, bring a lot more of that. So, um, and also at that convention, I noticed, you know, people around me doing certain things like um, the guys across from me were doing convention sketches and had to sign up, you know, $20 to draw your character. That's probably a standard thing that people do, but I never thought of that. So I made a sign myself and instantly got some, some business doing that. So I guess my, my point is just a little bit of flexibility you know, make sure you have a pen and paper with you so you can make a sign up at the last minute. Or if you happen to, you know, change your prices, make sure you have some extra blank labels with you. Just have the ability to change directions and and tweak as as you're at that convention so that you can you can manage those expectations and, and manage your experience with a little bit of agility and flexibility. So can you guys talk about some experiences you've had where you've changed things midstream during a convention experience? Yeah, uh, I've I've shown up at a, a con selling books uh, and uh, been set up right between two people selling, you know, the the sort of same level of books for in in one case five dollars less and in one case five dollars more. And I was uh, and uh, when I was the the more expensive guy, I felt that it was going to hurt me to be the, uh, you know, why, what's so much better about my thing than theirs that it's worth uh, 20 bucks instead of 15. So I, I luckily I had some stick on labels with me. Um, I drew up as, as nicely as I could new stickers to, to put out. Um, but I think it's great if you can hide the fact that you have made the change on the spot, because that, that sometimes gives the, the wrong impression of what you're up to. Mark, how, you? Did you, how did you do that? Just smoke and mirrors? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I got rid of my... I mean, I had nicer-looking price sheets, and I just got rid of them. And, and I made some that, you know, still looked good. They didn't look great. Um, I didn't, you know, grab a Sharpie and <laughs> harsh it out like you see people doing. But, you know, it looked hand-lettered. It looked good. 
Um, it looked like it was meant to be there. It didn't look like a last-minute thing, which I could do because I had some sticky labels and some drawing supplies and some extra paper with me. The first thing that comes to mind is the concept of accepting payment for whatever you're selling, especially if you're selling an original piece or something you know larger, more expensive. Um, there's a lot of technology now which will allow you to take electronic payments for things. And yes. before... I had myself set up with that ability. I feel like I've lost a number of sales due to the fact that I was hoping for a cash payment for something and someone only had a debit card, a credit card, or something along those lines. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it, it's it's funny, and when when cash leaves someone's hand, it seems very tangible to them, yet when it's a, a piece of plastic or you know, a name on a screen on a web page, it, it's not as tangible. So that people seem oftentimes to be more willing to, to pay for something when yeah. they're not having cash yeah. flow out of their wallet. So in, in the meantime, you know, I said, well, I, I would go to a convention without these abilities, say, okay, well, this is the price. And some say, oh, I want it. Then they're like, do you take a credit card? No. Oh, well, okay, I'm sorry. I won't be able to get that. You know, so, so your rate, your, your level of, you know, you, you raised up your expectations. Oh, I, I've sold something and today and, you know, it, my last hour is, is great. And then all of a sudden it, the, the rug is pulled out from under you. So I've, yeah, I've totally had that happen. And with taking credit cards, getting easier and easier and less of an investment, it's uh, certainly something if you can't do it yourself, see if there's someone you can partner up with. And, uh, you know, you'll, you'll pay them whatever processing fee they, they've got to pay and a little bit extra to make it worth their while because it's, it's worth it to be able to take those uh, credit and debit cards. I would highly recommend that. Mike, anything else you want us to hit? Um, I guess dark sides of conventions. So we're talking about how you can go to a convention and, and come away with a bad experience or have it, you know, have it be worse than, than not going at all. So I guess one of the main ways you can do that um, is just by, by pissing someone off. That's important. By making <laughs> making a bad presentation, you know, making yourself look bad, going there and, and forget about the money, coming away with a, a bad reputation or an enemy or whatever. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? I guess the only thing that comes to mind is... Um, Social settings, you know, if you're at a convention, the convention wraps up, you're you're at the hotel bar and, you know, you get into some argument or, or look like an ass um, to some important art director or some client or some some artist that you wanted to meet or, you know, that, or that's probably not very good. <laughs> that's probably very bad. And I've, I've seen it happen. I don't know. I don't think I've done it personally, but I've, I've watched it happen and, and seen it be a, a serious detriment that was regretted the next day. Um, the other thing is if you're kind of new to showing your portfolio around and you're making a lot of those rookie mistakes and excuses for what's in your portfolio, and this stuff is older, or I've seen one guy, he drew his stuff on the bus on the way to the con. <laughs> and, and there was a lottery to get slots for portfolio reviews. And and his number got pulled, so he's here in in line with his his stuff, and I didn't get pulled, so I was seething because um, I've got you know my my three different tailored portfolios all with me, depending on what sort of stuff they want to see, and this guy is sitting in the line trying to finish his drawing, 
so he can show it to the AD. (laughs) (laughs) Not only do I, I, not only, I know he didn't get any work, but um, I think he will be remembered for the wrong reasons for a little while because of that. Also because he was, you know, an arrogant jerk about it. Right. And I guess that that extends to, you know, not just verbal things or not just relationship things, but um, maybe if you if you show up looking, like you said, really unprofessional, maybe you show up, you know, with a, some some slogan on your T-shirt that pisses people off. Or maybe you show up, you know, with uh, some some X-rated pictures that are hung, you know, and, and there's a whole bunch of people that are offended by that or something. You know, there's a, I guess there's a whole lot of ways that you can you can look bad without meaning to look bad or or you know, sabotage yeah, your experience. I mean, there, and also sometimes there's money at stake. There, you've got, uh, it can be you're tired, you're stressed. There's, uh, you know, you've got to get this presentation, but the machinery, the, the equipment that you needed to, to make it didn't show up that was supposed to be provided by the con. Uh, things can go really wrong. And I, I have lost my temper in those situations uh, well, one time I lost my temper once and I, I, I snapped at people and, you know, five minutes later went and found everybody I had snapped at to apologize to them for being a jerk. But uh, and, and I, I like to think that if I had been well rested the couple days beforehand, I would have easily been able to, to say uh, these things happen. I understand. We'll we'll see what we can do to fix it. But at the time, I, I just I, I snapped. I was like, this is not how it's supposed to work. You told me that this would be uh, very ill advised. Um mm-hmm. So uh, nobody's perfect and conventions can put you into situations where you're, you're less perfect than you usually are. So just watch it. <laughs> I guess, you know, what just snapped into my mind was a convention is it's like you're meeting friends and it's kind of like a job interview as well. You know, if, if you're meeting clients or you're, you're even showcasing your work for sale, it's kind of like anytime you expect somebody to pay you money, it's, it's a little bit like a job interview. You're, you know, you're, you're putting yourself out there as, uh, you know, as an employee. So just, I guess you got to act, you know, very professional, very friendly. Um, and I think like what you said, Jason too, is, uh, but don't act too amateurish. Don't, uh, don't, don't take it to the, I think people like to feel relaxed around other people. People like to, you know, friendly is great, but, but fake friendly is, is never great. You want to be sincere and you want to be, um, you know, mature and, and not a, uh, not a scared little kid when you're around people. I, I think sort of a, a certain level of confidence also helps. Um, Mark, what do you think about ways where you can sort of sabotage your efforts or ways that, that people can make their convention not by not by trying to, but their convention can be sabotaged. Well, sometimes at a convention too, you're there with your friends and people you know and people you might consider friends, even though they're more acquaintances. And you know you're hanging around with them for hours and sometimes days, and and you start to feel that you know these are these are confidants, and and you might perhaps get into a conversation where. Maybe somebody else's work comes up or, you know, somebody, you know, if you're discussing an, uh, an art director um, and, and how they treated you or how they treated somebody else. And you, you may think that you're having a conversation in confidence. And uh, I've actually seen this a couple of times and, and it hasn't bitten me too badly. Uh, but 
you know, you'll be having a conversation about somebody who, you know, you may have seen them, you know, in, a, in another ballroom and, you know, in another part of the hotel. And now you're having a conversation with someone else about them. And then you realize they're standing behind you. Mm-hmm. You don't know how they got there. You're not sure when they got there. <laughs> but the things that you're saying, you know. Yep. Or the or the editor you're complaining about is this guy's uncle. Right. Uh, it just got to be careful i mean frustrating things happen and we vent sometimes but just just be careful (laughs) don't be a jerk okay well why don't we wrap this up i think the only thing i would like to leave with is is that you know conventions and and getting getting professional slick getting your getting good at conventions is a process um, each year, you know, you're going to be a little better. You're going to have more things to sell, more prints. You're going to have more friends, you know, to, to visit when you're there. You're going to have more familiarity with what works and what doesn't. You're going to get a little slicker all the time. So, you know, managing expectations is about knowledge and experience. And, you know, over time, these things will get smoothed out. Um, any Any sort of last parting words, you guys? think need to be added well when it comes to the convention scene doing your homework being professional and always hope expect the best or expect the worst and hope for the best and you're going to be 80 to 90 percent of the way there cool um and and these convention skills and all sorts of other marketing things uh they're they're skills and they're assets and they're they're worth developing uh the the, the great artist who can't make good personal connections is at a disadvantage to the guy who can. Um, and so it's, it's a skill worth developing, especially if it's not one that comes to you naturally. Um, and I want to say uh, that if you've, if you've been to a con and you've had a rough experience and been disheartened, that it, it happens to everybody that there's, there's always a con that goes bad or has some rough times or at least a rough patch in the middle of it. Um, I was at a convention with some friends not too long ago, and one of them, I was helping him break down. Well, I wasn't helping much. I was standing around chatting. He was doing the work. Uh, he was breaking down his booth after the evening, and he was talking about how I just don't know if it's worth it. And this is a guy who's he's a good artist. His career is doing great. Uh, everything's going right for him, but he was pretty bummed about not making sales, not making the contacts he had hoped to. And was it, was it worth the money and the time that he'd been putting into it, et cetera, et cetera. And then two hours later, um, I saw him being interviewed and on camera, he's saying, Oh, I, you know, so what do you think of the convention? He's like, Oh, it was great. I had such a fantastic time. Everybody's here. Wonderful. I, I met some great people. Um, and none of the, none of the uh, self-doubts were there, um, and they shouldn't be. It's, it's not, it wouldn't have been a good move for him to, to talk about his disappointments in a public forum like that. Nobody wants to hire the guy who feels sorry for himself. Nobody wants to collect the art of the guy who's busy feeling sorry for himself. Um, but the side effect of that is the... The guy who's being discouraged is looking at everybody walking out and doing the interviews and saying, oh, it's such an amazing con. And I was like, actually, it was kind of rough on me. And it just makes you feel even more isolated. But um, trust me, you're not the you're not the only one who had a rough con. 
<laughs> there's someone else who got disappointed at some point, and that's just part of the process. It's all cool. It'll all wash out. Right. <clears throat> okay, any, well. Any final words from you, Mike, or did you give them already and I just I th- wasn't paying I think attention? I did, unless we're okay. going to go around in circles. No, I, I think we're not. <laughs> <laughs> Manage your expectations. Research. And uh, go go to your convention for many reasons other than just sales. You know, just go with a light attitude to have fun, and, and you're not going to be disappointed, most likely. And bring a book and bring something to draw on if, if it happens to be <laughs> yeah, a boring bring disaster. Bring your art supplies. You never know when you might wish you had them. Exactly. At the, at the very least, it's, you know, it's a, a couple days of... You know, watching movies on your iPhone or sketching zombie heads <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> and, and if that's not fun enough, then maybe you are in the wrong business. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Good chatting with you as always. Take care of yourselves. You and too, Jason. That Mike. wraps us up for the day. Okay. Cue the music, Mark. Dun, 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 Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Drawn Today podcast. If you have any questions or comments on the podcast, feel free to contact us at drawntoday@gmail.com. The Drawn Today podcast is a proud member of the Visual Artist Podcast Network. You can find more information about VAPN at visualartistpodcastnetwork.com. If you'd like to listen to archived episodes of the podcast, please visit us at drawntodaypodcast.blogspot.com. And as always, you can find the Drawn Today podcast on iTunes. Today's music for the podcast was provided by Collide. Find more about Collide and their music at collide.net.